Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, people? Welcome to the post-game number crunch. As usual, I'm your host, Jake Painting, creator of the House and Growls Timberwolves newsletter, and this podcast is proudly brought to you by Canis Hoopers and SB Nation. We are back today with another post-game show, back today with another win, back today with another weird and wild game. And rather than blowing a big lead, the Wolves came back from 15 points down, after a wretched first half, and they ended up beating the undermanned Miami Heat 105-101. to Now, as you are probably sick of hearing it, I am sick of talking about how Minnesota's opposition were shorthanded, but it's a fact that it has been impossible to ignore in previous games, and it was impossible to ignore in this game. The Heat were missing Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, stop me if I haven't named anyone. I'm sure there were more than that. But those run-down, raggedy Miami Heat still ran rampant on the low-energy and brick-heavy Wolves team in the first half of this game. But then it all kind of shifted. Anthony Edwards happened. Jordan McLaughlin went all sorts of Steph Curry. And the Wolves' intensity lifted as a whole, from the crowd to the players, everything in that building just lifted. And all of a sudden, Miami's big lead had vanished, and Minnesota were able to clutch onto their tiny lead pretty much until the final whistle. Whew, what a game, man. But <laughs> just a weird and fun game, even if it was still a little bit concerning that Minnesota were able to give up such a big deficit to a to a Miami Heat team who were so undermanned. But there was a lot of storylines and there are a lot of numbers as well. And it's Jaden McDaniels that I want to shove under the magnifying glass this time around. And that's why this episode's number is... 41.4. As in the 41.4% that Jaden McDaniels is shooting from deep over the past 10 games... So let's take a break and we'll dive into that number a little bit deeper. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, after nailing three of his six three-point attempts and scoring another 18 total points in this game, McDaniels is well over 40% from deep in his last 10, as I just said, 41.4. And while he's doing that on a kind of middling 2.9 attempts per game, definitely not high volume, he's doing it pretty consistently, and the season is only 17 games old, so that 10-game sample size is pretty hefty in relation to the, to the season as a whole. It would be wonderful if McDaniels was a high-volume three-point gunner, but he isn't, and he probably never will be. This team would be unbelievably good offensively if he was, but they don't necessarily need him to be that to be successful on offense. What they do need is for him to knock down the looks that he gets, and that's exactly what he's doing right now. It doesn't need to be the movement shooting mastery like Malik Beasley of last season or even to a lesser extent Torian Prince of this season. But McDaniels spends a lot of time spotted up, open for standstill jumpers while he's kind of sharing the floor with Minnesota's other high usage stars. When he isn't shooting well, he's a liability offensively. And that I know that he has improved massively as an isolation scorer, and he's seriously awesome from that short mid-range floater area. But if he can't shoot, then there is just not enough shooting to go around for this starting unit's offense. Obviously, Gobert doesn't shoot. D'Angelo Russell is quickly becoming more of a shooter's theory than a shooter's reality. And Anthony Edwards is the dictionary definition of streaky, as we saw in this game in, in the two different halves. Carl Anthony Towns is really the only consistent shooter of this group, and they need another one. McDaniels is that guy. He's the one who doesn't command a high usage role, where he's making a lot of drives or setting a lot of screens or making a lot of game-breaking ball-handling passes. He needs to be somewhat of a shooter, and right now he is. Again, 41.4% over the past 10 games. 40% flat over the four-game winning streak, and obviously 50% in a really important win tonight. And unsurprisingly, the Wolves' offense just looks a lot better when he's doing that shooting, that that 40% or above shooting. In the last 10 games, they ranked 12th in offensive rating, and over the past four wins, they ranked 7th among all teams' last four games. The elephant in the room here is probably that McDaniels doesn't just play offense. I mean, he came into this league as a guy who pretty much played no offense. I can still remember, and I'm sure all you guys can still remember, his first and even a lot of his second season where he just couldn't dribble the ball more than like three times. And he was either a spotty three-point shooter or he was a defender and that's it. And that's because he's seriously elite on defense. And on nights like this this night where he's able to stay out of foul trouble and play a full complement of minutes, 
he's among the most versatile defenders in the league. Tonight, he spent a ton of time guarding a shifty point guard in Kyle Lowry, which gets overlooked at how tough that is for a guy who's like 6'10", 6'11", who's doing this pretty much on a nightly basis, but then also has the wherewithal and the athletic ability and just the defensive nous to chase around a really good shooter like Max Struess. And he even switched on to Bam Adebayo or Dwayne Dedman for periods. And I think it's fair to say that he won pretty much whatever matchup he was in out of those four, five, six matchups that he faced in this game. In fact, I really think there's a pretty good argument that he's the only true two-way player on this team's starting unit. We know that Cat, D'Lo, and Ant have their issues defensively, and I don't think any of them have really got much better this season. And nights like the dud we got from Rudy Gobert in this one kind of disqualify him from being a true offensive player night in and night out. McDaniels, at least for now, is a two-way guy. He's just a winning team's dream. The problem, of course, is whether he can sustain this. We've seen stretches of efficiency from him before, only for it to kind of fall off a cliff again and go back to that really poor shooting. That is one of the problems with McDaniels right now, is that he's either really hot from three, or he's really cold, and it's not a game-to-game thing. It's a long-stretch kind of thing. Again, we've got 10 games of really hot shooting right now. But if you go back to the seven games before that 10-game stretch that we're zooming in on right now, he was shooting the exact same 2.9 attempts per game, but only hitting 30% of them, a 10% difference, or 11.4% difference. And unsurprisingly, that's when Minnesota's offense sucked and the team kind of sucked as a whole. It's such a weird thing to say with such a star-studded top end of this roster, but McDaniels kind of feels like the linchpin for this team. Obviously, they can't do what they want on the perimeter defensively without him out there, which affects the rim protectors. It affects Rudy Gobert, especially Anthony Edwards or whoever else would have to step up and play McDaniels' role defensively are then overstretched in their role and it all spirals from there but they also become a shell of their best selves offensively when he isn't hitting shots thankfully right now he is hitting shots if it sustains even at a clip in the high 30s or 36 37 percent this Wolves team will be a-okay on that end of the floor and if it doesn't then they're going to have the same problems that they had at the start of this season where there's just not enough shooting, the offense starts to look a little bit clunky, there's no pressure relief valve out there for when Ant or D'Lo or Cat get bundled up and everything just starts to go to hell again. So, like I said, I really do think he's a linchpin for this team on both ends and a really, really, really important player. And right now he's proving to be a really, really, really important player on a winning team a team that is now above 500 and a team that's won four games in a row. So long may it continue. Whether it does or whether it doesn't, I'll be here to discuss it. I hope you will be too.